Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, another kind of funny thing, uh, everybody in Michigan knows that uh, if you're sick, <laughs> there's only one cure. Yep, you put the lime in the coconut. No. Oh. No, not at all. <laughs> you got to have some uh, ginger ale. Oh, specifically. Verner's. Yeah. Um, of course, if you were going to ask anybody about what cold medicine they've had, that's probably what their answer would be. Drink. You know, that's so funny. One <laughs> of our coworkers wasn't feeling well uh, earlier this week or late last week, <laughs> and they're not a fan of uh, ginger ale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they had one anyways. Okay. Was it Verner's? Uh, I can't remember. And I, Boy, I'm, I might get in trouble, and this could be an unpopular opinion. I don't mind Verner's. Ooh. It's not my go-to, though, when yeah. I'm not feeling good. In fact... I don't mind ginger ale. I typically go for Sprite or 7-Up, something like that. Well, see, I I like a, a more intense ginger flavor. Yeah, like the Canadian, what's the No, Canadian none of those will do. Okay. I uh, I like to use the ginger syrup. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It's got a little bit of that uh, spicy kick that you get from ginger, which I really enjoy. Yep, and uh, make like a warm drink or something with that. Uh, I like to add it to tea a lot. Uh, a lot of people will put honey in their tea. For me, uh, ginger syrup is a really nice... Uh, substitute for honey for me. All right. Well, the ginger pop, known as Verner's, of course, can be found all over Michigan. We discovered it's not easy to find uh, when you live other places. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it was invented by a man named James Verner. Yep, and Verner was born, uh, it was this week in 1843, in fact. He originally moved to Michigan when he was about five years old. He went on to become a clerk at Higby and Stern's Drugstore, where he apparently began to experiment with different flavors in order to change and improve the taste of ginger ale. Yep, so uh, in honor of his birthday, which I believe it was on Monday the 11th, uh, there are a few fun facts about James Verner that perhaps you didn't know about. Yeah, like the fact that Verner enlisted in the 4th Michigan Cavalry for the Civil War in 1862 and served until 1865 when he was discharged. Yeah, and during that time in the Civil War, he actually rose to the rank of second lieutenant. And if he hadn't served in the Civil War, he may have never discovered the perfect recipe for the delicious drink we all know as Verner's. Oh no, as the legend goes... Werner had left an experimental ginger ale recipe in a sealed oak barrel, and it was four years later when he returned from the Civil War, he opened up that barrel and discovered that the aging process had actually produced a very delightful new ginger ale pop. And Werner went on to open his own drugstore where he sold his version of ginger ale. With the growing popularity and success of Werner's ginger ale, he was eventually able to close his drugstore and instead open a plant in the Detroit area in 1896. Yeah, he went on to different things after a successful life and career. Uh, James Werner passed away at the age of 84 in October of 1927. Uh, he was actually buried at the Woodmere Cemetery in the city of Detroit. And uh, some sad news, unfortunately, although Verner's is a Michigan staple, it is no longer produced within the state. Oh, no. Yep. In the 1980s, production in Detroit ended and the production rights switched hands a couple of times uh, before being acquired by Dr. Pepper in the 90s. Even with Verner's being produced out of state, Michiganders love the soda and it has not ceased.
Yep, a quick search of Verner's on Instagram. You can actually find a number of interesting items. Uh, there's a really cool Verner's clock that looks yeah. kind of vintage. Um, I see a wallet. <laughs> yep, there's a, a wallet. Um, <gasps> what? What? Did I not? I didn't. Oh. oh, my goodness. You can make a cherry pie using Verner's? Oh, that's interesting. A cherry pie paired with Verner's. Yeah. Look for that recipe somewhere. Um, but yeah, uh, for the week of his birth, people have been remembering Werner with various posts talking about his life. Uh, we have a video posted uh, that was created by My Heritage Life Story uh, that kind of gets a little bit more into some history about James Werner. And it's really interesting because they used a, a photo or drawing of uh, him and uh, it looks like he's actually telling you his story. Oh, wow. So they yeah. did one of those... Uh, uh, they've advanced it. Uh, those motion photos that you can use sometimes. Well, this is even more advanced than that. He's actually talking and uh, telling you the history. That is really cool. It Very is fascinating. Cool. And there's also a throwback commercial too from uh, 1991. Uh, so a lot of cool things. If you can find all this on our website or on the app uh, and check out some of the history of Verner's and its creator, James Verner. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your news and weather. Um, I was somewhere in the middle. I wasn't uh, necessarily the cool kid. I wasn't the complete nerd by any means, although I'm nerdier than people realize. <laughs> I was in the band, so maybe I yeah. was labeled a, a band nerd. That I might, was in band too. That might be the appropriate placement for me. <laughs> uh, but uh, how were you cool enough to have uh, 20,000 marshmallows drop down on you from a helicopter? <laughs> no, I wasn't, but <laughs> there are a bunch of cool kids uh, in the Detroit area who <laughs> got to take part in this. It's actually happening this morning morning. Um, yeah. Not sure if it's already happened or if it's coming up, um, but it's... That's kind of funny is our, our co-worker uh, Brad Carpenter actually found this. Uh, he was scanning through the Associated Press and uh, they always like to post some newsworthy events that uh, other media outlets might want to talk about. Yeah. And uh, he found this headline, <laughs> Wayne County Park's annual marshmallow drop. Over 20,000 marshmallows will be dropped from a helicopter for children to collect and trade in for a prize. Yep. And guess what? His first thought was being a a radio guy. You know, it doesn't surprise me. It was my first thought too. <laughs> the WKRP Turkey Drop, of course. Uh, that was an episode that aired on October 30th of 1978, of course, centered on the radio promotion in which 40 live turkeys were dropped from a helicopter uh, onto an unsuspecting Cincinnati shopping mall below. Carnage ensued and was witnessed by Les Nessman, the station's newsman, who gave a play-by-play -play of the disaster, saying, one just went through the windshield of a parked car. This is terrible. Oh, the humanity. Oh, and he was hearkening back uh, to the Hindenburg, uh, the Oh, the Humanity line. We actually have a link uh, or a video in the link under this marshmallow story on our website uh, from that KR, uh, WKRP episode. Um, Luckily, things should go much, much better for the Wayne County Parks Department. Uh, marshmallows <laughs> have less of an impact when striking objects blow, and this will mark the 37th year that the event has taken place, and they have a good track record as well. I can't believe I've never heard of this before. Me either. I don't know how I've missed it. Uh, of course, it's not in our local area, but yeah, that high-flying fly helicopter as God is my witness, <laughs> dropping those marshmallows to the eager kids waiting on the ground. It's a blizzard of marshmallows 
Uh, that's what Tumbling from the sky. Yeah, that's what they're calling it. Uh, so only one marshmallow was needed to receive a prize, and they advised the kids not to eat them. The <laughs> event takes place uh, bright and early this morning at Elizabeth Park in Trenton, and that's not uh, if that's not good enough, uh, they're going to do it again two hours later at the Nankin Mills Park in Westland. Yeah, the question is, how do you keep thousands of kids from eating marshmallows that have just fallen from the sky? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's a that's that sounds a, like a fun way to celebrate a birthday. Yeah, you wanna you wanna hook that up for me for my next birthday? Get a helicopter to drop twenty thousand marshmallows down for uh, me. I thought you were gonna want them to drop kittens. <gasps> I don't want the kittens to get hurt. Well, we'll put parachutes on them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, do I have to think of everything? Uh, good luck getting those parachutes on uh, twenty thousand kittens. Oh yeah, dropping marshmallows. That's uh, I don't know. That's it's is it part of Easter? Is, yeah. Is that, so, okay. Yeah, it's part I, of an Easter celebration. Better than dropping eggs, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're plastic eggs filled with candy, I mean, there is there is a business advertising. They will do that. Didn't we have something about uh, dropping eggs? Because I yeah. made a joke that they better not use real ones. Yeah, there's a, a helicopter tour that uh, happens uh, over in Allegan. Okay. And the same company offers, uh, you can charter them uh, to drop candy-filled eggs on your Easter celebration. Wow. All sorts of fun things happening for Easter involving helicopters. You know what I'm already looking forward to? Uh, I bet I know. Monday. Yes, Monday. You probably are surprised to hear me say that. Well, in this case, there's a good reason. Uh, we've been following uh, Ada Leanne, a local musician from Battle Creek who is representing the state of Michigan on NBC's American Song Contest. And she's had to wait till the final week of the opening rounds of this contest. You know, I at first was like, oh, those nerves would be terrible. But at this point, she's probably got more of a comfort level. She's she's gotten to watch the others compete. And uh, I think she's going to go into this really strong. And we have a prom- uh, commercial that NBC has put out uh, highlighting Michigan and the show. Let's give it a listen. Is your state the best? It's time to prove it. This is American Song Contest. Hosted by Snoop Dogg and Kelly Clarkson. It's state versus state, competing for your vote. Live, only one song from one state will win. So, Michigan, vote to make it yours. Tune in. It's going to be awesome. You're welcome. American Song Contest, live Monday on NBC. Yeah. I'm going to be, uh, we're going to watch that. We're going to have to get up really early Tuesday morning and check that out. We will. And we wish uh, Ada all the best as she has her nerves this weekend, anticipating it. And we are all looking forward to seeing her. And don't forget to vote for her. Don't. She's counting on all of us. Uh, we want Michigan to win. We want her to win. We do. And we're going to put out an article later today that will have some information on how you can vote. Uh, we'll include that video and some other things uh, so you can see what's going on as she gets ready. The show airs Monday night on NBC at 8. 8 p.m. And your weather today, cloudy with occasional rain showers, winds from the southwest up to 25 miles per hour and a high in the mid-40s. Tonight it'll be cloudy again, very windy still on the low near 30. Tonight or tomorrow, partly cloudy and windy and a high in the mid-40s. Right now it is partly cloudy, 42 degrees and feels like 36. Yeah, and uh, it's looking like Easter Sunday. The daytime will be pretty nice. uh, Yes, we'll have a high near 50. It's going to be mostly sunny. Uh, Some light snow, though, could move in that night. 
Yep, that night and into Monday. So we'll keep an eye on that. First cash code word is coming up in about 30 minutes as we continue that. A chance for you to win $10,000. But first, uh, we want to talk about uh, something that is another sign of spring. Lacey, I know you have been looking for as many of these as you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, especially with our temperatures. The colder the temperatures, the more reasons uh, I want to search out that we can celebrate spring. And you found one. Again, yes. Uh, we can all rejoice because the Battle Creek Ice Cream Institution is opening for the 2022 season. It is Station 66. Uh, the place is more than just an ice cream shop, and it is located inside a 1940s gas station. Very cool look. Uh, and it started as an ice cream shop, but it has evolved into a summertime destination in Battle Creek. That is true. Station 66 is locally owned by Kurt and Janet Trammell. When they first opened up the shop, all they served was ice cream. Now they sell all kinds of locally made baked goods, seasonal produce, spices, honey, and candy, all made in Michigan. Uh, plus, they have a homemade menu that includes burgers, brats, corn dogs, and so much more in addition to the 20 flavors of ice cream they offer. 28 flavors, a lot to choose from there. Uh, they have a large yard that allows for some outdoor activities as well when it gets nice and warm. It's a site for car shows uh, during the warmer months. Inside, it looks like a classic ice cream parlor complete with a jukebox. They have a vintage Coca-Cola machine that dispenses some of those cool old-fashioned glass bottles. That is true. And the uh, building is uh, located just off M66 at 4588D uh, Drive South in Battle Creek. Um, it wasn't just any old former gas station either. Yeah, it was the business of Kurt's great-great-grandparents who owned and operated the business. Uh, when it closed, it was mostly being used for storage. In fact, it started to become a little bit dilapidated. Now it's been lovingly restored and even improved upon. Uh, back in 2018, Station 66 was even named one of the 50 businesses in the state to watch. Yep, and uh, once the season is over uh, in the fall, they get into some of those traditional fall activities like pumpkins and fresh donuts, apple cider, and they even take people for hay rides on that big property. And then they do some stuff for Christmas too, Lacey. Yeah, leading up to the Christmas holidays, uh, they offer Christmas trees. That is very cool. So they kind of take us through, uh, well, most of most of the year. Yeah, and then take a break <laughs> for the heart of winter, and I can't say I blame them. Yep, January and February, uh, forget it. <laughs> forget, forget about it. But no, I, I love what they've done with this building. It, it has a retro look when you see the outside of it. Their logo is really, really cool, too. It I is like very it. cool. It's like a round, like it looks almost like a, a vinyl record. Um, and it says Station 66, and then in big red uh, numbers, the number 66. That is pretty cool. It's a pretty popular place, too. Uh, I've driven by it a couple times. We haven't stopped in yet, but every time I've driven by, there's like a line outside the door. Mm. So uh, 28 flavors. Are any of them unique that you're aware of? I didn't look to see what they all flavors. were. We'll have to check. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, what, do you my... want like a dill pickle ice cream? <laughs> I mean, is that weird enough for you? Yeah, that is. A, that's something that's happened in the last, what, couple Dill of pickle years? everything. Yeah, pizza is one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know dill, dill pickle ice cream. Is... I just saw an advertisement for uh, dill pickle chips. I've had those before. Yeah? They aren't too bad. Okay. Um, I, I can't eat too many of those in one setting, though. Well, you know, my uh, youngest sister, her and uh, each of her uh, kids all have a thing for dill pickles. And so they'll, they'll eat anything dill pickle. <laughs> Do you remember I tried a recipe for a potato salad that was dill potato salad? Oh, yeah. And it actually called for not only using dill, but a little bit of uh, pickle juice. Okay. 
Um, I wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like the traditional potato salad. Uh, I, you tried it too. You probably don't remember at this point. I probably didn't mind it. Um, <laughs> deviled egg potato salad is one of my favorites though too. Yeah. We're going to get into that. Boy, this is making me want to just be outside at one of these events where they've got the potato salad and the meat. You mean like a cookout? <laughs> like a cookout. <laughs> yeah, those things, a cookout. <laughs> Uh, Well, switching gears now, uh, earlier this week, uh, you probably heard us talk about it in the news, but a Vicksburg fire destroyed a building that was over 100 years old and in it left uh, two families without a home. Yeah, uh, it happened on Tuesday. It broke out at 110 West Washington Street, uh, a very old building, as you mentioned. Uh, There were smoke detectors working, and in fact, those helped the tenants who were inside get out safely. Uh, Very sadly, though, one of the tenants lost his dog in the fire. Yeah, while the fire is still under investigation, both parties have indeed lost everything. After pushing through uh, two of the most challenging years a lot of us have ever faced, uh, losing all your possessions in the place that you call home would be absolutely devastating. So here's how you can help. Yep, there are currently a couple of different fundraisers that have been set up to help these tenants affected by the fire. Um, the first one, Distant Whistle Brew House, is collecting some cash donations for their bartender, Spencer, who not only lost his apartment, but he was the one who lost his dog. Uh, speaking with the Distant Whistle, he, they learned he's being, uh, been with the company since 2019, and they have a Facebook post uh, where you can um, see or where they acknowledge that Spencer would probably not even be happy that they were doing a fundraiser for him, but uh, they want to go ahead and help him anyways, Lacey. Yeah, and for the remainder of the week, they're hoping to fill a beer pitcher with cash to help get Spencer back on his feet. Uh, They don't have a specific goal in mind, so if you'd like to help out uh, and you can't make it to the distant whistle or don't even normally have cash, there is a Venmo um, that you can uh, contribute to as well. And uh, right now, uh, Spencer doesn't have a permanent place to stay at, Um, so they're not accepting donations like clothing and appliances at this time. Um, But we do have the address for that restaurant if you were wanting to stop up there. Uh, The second fundraiser for the other attendant affected by the fire is Autumn. She's a single mother that was living in the apartment with her 12-year-old son. Yep, and a GoFundMe has been set up for her, uh, a goal of raising $2,500, and that money will go toward a security deposit along with a first and last month payment for her to get a new apartment, uh, which she desperately needs. Uh, Being a single parent, of course, uh, is already difficult enough, but being a single parent with no place to go and no place to live uh, has to be a nightmare. If you would like to contribute, every dollar will help. Uh, We have a link set up on our website uh, for the GoFundMe for her and, uh, of course, uh, for the other gentleman who worked at that local bar. And uh, you can find all that at 953wbck.com. That would be incredibly hard. It would. And uh, so if there's anything big or small, just even a dollar, $5, maybe $10, uh, you can help these people in Vicksburg. We had a lot of reports of fires this week. It did seem like there was an increase. And um, it's kind of an odd time of year, I feel like. It is. Because usually it happens a lot uh, either around the holidays or when people are first kicking on their heat Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning of uh, winter or even a cooler fall day. Um, But yeah, it does seem like there were uh, several fires. And uh, of course, we wanted to focus on the people with with the story, but that building in Vicksburg was uh, one of the very historic buildings. I think you had said it's over 100 years old. Uh, Earlier this week, I was reading about what it 
was before they converted it into living spaces. Um, but there's a lot of history with that building in Vicksburg. And then uh, I want to say it was a couple days later uh, in the news, we were talking about a restaurant in Zealand yeah. that had been around for uh, a number of years, decades, uh, that is a total loss. Um, and the owners of that business are, are hoping they can set up somewhere else. But it's just not the same when you're not in this vintage classic place that everyone's used to in a community. So, uh, well, we just wish everybody uh, the best. Uh, you know, you can always replace property, uh, but you can't replace people. I'd also say this is a good reminder. Um, perhaps you forgot to do so when we had the time change, but maybe double check and make sure that your smoke detectors um, that are working properly and that the batteries are fresh. Yeah, because one of the other fire stories, and I don't remember which one it was, there were no smoking, uh, no smoke detectors working. Fortunately, in this case, it, in Vicksburg, it helped the people get out. Yes. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather. Um, so, have you noticed uh, that uh, beer and liquor prices are going up a little bit? Yeah, the day drinking hurts a little bit more right yeah. now in the pocketbook. <laughs> uh, just like every other item on store shelves, supply chain issues and high gas prices are affecting alcohol sales and distribution throughout West Michigan. Uh, not only are these shortages hurting your wallet, uh, they're hurting your pint glass too. Yep, to offset rising production costs, many distributors and breweries like Bell's, one of the local ones, have had to increase the price of their products. It's hard enough finding other everyday items. Cat, wet cat food is one of the ones that's been weird. It's been going on a while. Yeah. Chicken wings, bacon, uh, but now a liquor shortage. That might be going a little too far. <laughs> uh, the disruption in alcohol distribution is a product of the times. It started with the COVID-19 pandemic and it hasn't really covered, uh, recovered ever since. The pandemic the pandemic uh, led to a shortage in laborers and truck drivers, which led to supply chain issues. And now we can thank uh, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine for driving up gas prices and therefore alcohol prices as well. Yeah, kind of uh, convergence of all sorts of problems. The Michigan Liquor Control Commission met earlier this month discussing supply chain issues with retailers and suppliers who say orders uh, that the liquor orders that typically take up to two months to fulfill are now sometimes being delayed seven months or longer. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to beer in particular, the problem is kind of twofold. As in addition to all the pandemic shortages and rising gas prices, uh, Ukraine and Russia are also both uh, big barley producers, which is a very big key ingredient to making beer. Yep. Uh, John Mallet, the VP of operations at Bell's Brewery, spoke to a local television station and says, although Bell's does not get their barley directly from Ukraine, there is a trickle-down effect extending from Ukraine's influence on the global barley market. And now that impact being felt on the local level. To make matters even worse, one of the largest stainless steel plants in Ukraine was damaged and is now affecting the production of brewing equipment such as stainless steel brewing tanks. Um, it's kind of uh, crazy, though, when you think about uh, how all these things can add up and cause a bigger problem. I would say I have not yet noticed any differences in the price of the, the beer that I usually buy. Um, but that's, that's usually like a, a Miller Lite type thing. Uh, once in a while, I'll get some Oberon or something like that. So I'll have to check next time I, I get a craft beer. But uh, I don't drink very much. So I can't really add a lot onto this. I have not been paying more as far as I can tell, but I'm more of a wine drinker and it's pretty seldom.
Yep. And uh, I haven't noticed uh, wine prices up too much either, though, but uh, something to keep an eye on. But speaking of alcohol, um, Michigan did something very special this week, several decades ago, related to it. Yeah, this week in 1933, Michigan was the first state to end prohibition. Yep. Um, Southwest Michigan, of course, like we were just talking about, uh, known for its craft beer in the current time, but the history of alcohol in Michigan goes much deeper. It was in April of 1933. Uh, after 14 years of being dry, Michigan said no to prohibition and yes to beer. <laughs> yeah, the moment was a long time coming. Uh, they were the first state to ratify the 21st Amendment, but also the first state to implement prohibition statewide. Even though the 21st Amendment was ratified by Michigan on April 10th, 1933, prohibition wasn't repealed until late December of that same year. The wait wasn't a big deal as bootleggers were very busy <laughs> in the state of Michigan. They were moving beer and hard liquor throughout prohibition. Yep, one of them, Al Capone, allegedly putting in $100 million a year to uh, thanks to bootlegging alcoholic beverages alone. And that helps explains, uh, explain why we hear about the numerous Capone hideouts in Southwest Michigan. We've talked about a couple of those uh, recently. Yeah, and uh, we're going to connect a couple more dots here. Prohibition began 1919 and ended in 1933. The Great Depression took place between 1929 and 1933. <laughs> if Al Capone was pulling in $100 million a year all by himself in the early 1900s in alcohol sales, while local businesses made $0 in that industry, not to mention no state or federal taxes, maybe... Prohibition was a big piece of the Depression puzzle. Interesting thought. Of course, Michigan's been a trend-setting state for generations. Uh, the number of world-changing things that started first in Michigan is mind-blowing. And so uh, if you check this article out on our website, uh, there's a gallery below that also has some other fun facts that you may not know about the great state of Michigan. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, perhaps something special. 95.3 WBCK, uh, something to kind of be aware about while you're going about your day today. There is a missing woman from Kent County. She's 81 years old. Uh, she's a grandmother and she has medical conditions and she's been missing since Tuesday. Yep, we got this news this morning. Her name is Annie May Love. Uh, she was last seen at her home in Gaines Township uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and as you said, her family says she has some medical conditions. So her, uh, the family and the deputies with the Kent County Sheriff's Office are concerned for her safety. Yeah, Annie was last seen wearing white pajama pants, a black t-shirt, and a black hat. Um, we don't have a great physical description of her. Um, she's got a medium dark complexion, and her hair is black, but it's mostly gray at this point. Uh, anybody that uh, has any information on her whereabouts or disappearance is asked to contact the Cal, uh, Kent County Sheriff's Office at 616-336-3113. We have a photo of her. Her family says it is the most recent photo of her. So you can go to our website at 953wbck.com to check that out. Uh, we'll also have that up on our Facebook page as well as the WBCK app um, and you can keep scrolling down there uh, there are some children that have gone missing since the beginning of the year that have still not been found um, we have photos of each of them as well as a description of them uh, when they went missing and what uh, police agency to contact if you have any information on them yeah Lacey usually I want to say what do you do about three or four times a year maybe once every three months you'll go through 
and uh, check. Um, what is the website you check for these again? The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, yeah, I'll go through and, and do a collection of the kids that have gone missing since the beginning of the year and who are still missing. Um, a lot of times, uh, some are found rather quickly. Every once in a while, you'll have some that uh, have been missing for quite some time, especially it gets kind of sad as you get towards the end of the year and you see some of these kids have been missing most of the year. Yeah, and it's amazing that just our January through March of this year, it's 17 Yeah, in this gallery. And that's the entire state, but still, I mean, that that is a lot. Um, one of them is in the Kalamazoo area that we uh, have had up for a while since January 22nd, uh, Adriana LaCour. Yes. Um, she's 15 years old. Uh, she's African-American. She has black hair, brown eyes, uh, five feet five and weighs 120 pounds. Again, missing out of the Kalamazoo area. Um, so that's uh, then, one of the uh, local ones. Anthony Ram, uh, Ramos Navidad. Uh, he's been missing since February 7th, also from the Kalamazoo area, uh, 17 years old. And we got a physical description of him, um, but uh, definitely want to get these kids home. There's also a man that's been missing from the Three Rivers area uh, since Christmas. And uh, a lot of family concerned about him, 66 years old. Uh, he went to go run to the store to pick up something on Christmas Day and uh, never returned home. Yeah, and that case is still open at this point. Uh, we did get a report earlier this week on a news story, but there's been no confirmation Um that they're able to identify him at this time. Uh, but there's it's a case that's ongoing. Um, and yeah, several other cases. We do have a special tab on our website at 953wbck.com. It's simply called Missing Persons. And uh, when Lacey puts these stories together, or uh, if anyone else puts these stories together, uh, any of our other contributors, um, they're all listed there. So you can see these photos, you can scroll down, you can click on the links and uh, get information um, about these. And of course, if somebody's found or located, we update that to let people know as well. And I'll tell you, there's nothing that gives me more joy than being able to update, update those and say that somebody has uh, been located and is safe. And it's something we will continue to do. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with a look at your weather and traffic. And uh, seven inland lakes in Michigan uh, may have some of the most bizarre names in our state. Yeah, uh, often we take a look at some of the city names, but this time we're going to take a trip out to the water. So why should the Great Lakes get to have all the fun? Uh, with Michigan being the Great Lakes state, it seems like uh, Lakes Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior get all of the attention. And none of those names are that weird. No, not really. <laughs> uh, at least not to us. We're used to hearing them all the time. <laughs> According to the Michigan Department of Natural Resources, there's an estimated 11,000 inland lakes across the state. 11,000 lakes means... 11,000 names. So we have more than the land of 10,000 lakes, uh, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, uh, you can't blame early Michigan residents with running out of creative juices when it came to naming inland lakes across the state. Uh, but we do have some questions uh, about these seven bizarre lake names. So why don't you take the first one, Lacey? First uh, name that's kind of weird, Magician Lake. Yeah, this one is in Cass and Van Buren counties. Uh, it's part of the greater sister lakes. According to the website or a website, uh, I guess it's website. There are two theories on how the lake got its name. One being a group of native Americans who thought the lake to be superstitious or magical. And the second theory, a group of vaudevillains once lived at happy land, an old time resort there that entertained people in the area. And since this is the lake where magicians resided, that's how it became known as magician lake. Oh, 
Well, that sounds uh, <laughs> kind of like that could be the answer. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Shave Head Lake. <laughs> like, who even comes up with this? This lake is in Cass County. It was named after a well-known and ferocious Potawatomi chief. Chief Shave Head was given this nickname by white settlers because he donned the traditional hairstyle of his ancestors, the shaved head. Yeah. The lake is 289 acres in size, 70 feet deep, and houses a variety of fish, including bluegill, largemouth bat, large mouth bass and uh, rainbow trout. I might need to take a trip to do some fishing on Shavehead Lake. This one is one I can uh, get behind. Bacon Lake. That just makes me think of a, a lake of bacon. <laughs> a lake of bacon grease? Yeah. Not bacon grease, bacon. Swimming through strips of bacon. Wow, sounds like heaven. It's a small inland lake near Perry in Shiawassee County, and it's also located near the Glen Briar Golf Course, Bacon Lake. Uh, next one up, uh, Bone Lake. Uh, this lake is located in Iron County, 19 miles from the town of Crystal Falls. There's not a whole lot of information regarding the name, uh, but uh, according to Google, it says it's a nice place to swim, and it is a shallow lake only 15 feet at its deepest point. All right. And uh, how about Dinner Lake? Well, I guess you could go out and catch some dinner there, maybe. Maybe. I bet there's some good fish in there. This one is in the Ottawa National Forest in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, it's a big one, 110 acres, and it has 2.8 miles of shoreline. Anglers who visit Dinner Lake can expect to dine on their catch of bluegill. They have northern pike in there, as well as smallmouth bass, walleye, and yellow perch. How about uh, the next one, Clam Lake? Hmm, Clam uh, Lake. The Watershed Council describes Clam Lake as a long, slender lake situated in a valley between Torch Lake and the Lake Bel Air and the Elk River chain of lakes in Antrim County. The lake and valley were formed by the gouging and grinding of glaciers, which is evident in the coarse textured glacial till of the surrounding hills. The lake is 437 acres inside in size and 27 feet deep. It even has its own live webcam that you can watch, and we have a link to that uh, in the article. I love live webcams. They're so much fun. And uh, this one is probably my favorite, <laughs> Lake Fanny Ho. Now, special, we're going to spell that uh, out for you, L-A-K-E-F-A-N-N-Y-H-O-O-E. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is in Fort Wilkins State Park in the Keweenaw Peninsula. Named after a real person. The legend goes that Fanny Ho was a beautiful woman who either drowned in the lake or got lost while out picking blueberries. She was never seen again. In reality, Lucy Frances Fitzhigh Ho is a.k.a. Fanny. Uh, she spent the summer of 1844 visiting her brother Thornton, who was stationed at Fort Wilkins. At the end of the summer, she returned to the family home in Virginia. And while she led an interesting life, her visit to Fort Wilkins was not a major part of it. Ah, so a little bit of uh, legend there that is not true. Hmm. So I, wonder, those, I wonder how that started. So there, those are seven lakes in Michigan that have bizarre names. I bet you we could find seven more. Yeah, maybe we will sometime. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather. And joining us now is host of the Radio Free Hillsdale Hour, Scott Bertram. Hello, Scott. Good Friday to you. How are things? Good. It is a very good Friday. Uh, things are well. How are things for you? Uh, everything's turning up just roses. We are nearing the end of the term here at uh, Hillsdale. Uh, it's shocking. I, I have to, uh, I'm going to Colorado. I'm going to Illinois this weekend. 
for see family for Easter next week out to Colorado Springs to help with an event for the college. So I won't be back till the tail end of next week. And then there's one class, one class left until the end of the term. We finish up like April 26th. I think it's the last official day of classes. Then finals, then the summer. Years gone by in the blink of an eye as they normally do. That was fast. Um, we did uh, start watching that uh, PBS documentary on Benjamin Franklin last night. Ah, I have not seen the whole thing. Did you like it? So far, so good. Uh, we'll probably get it finished up sometime this weekend. I didn't realize yeah. he spent so much time. Um, I knew he did some, but not as much as uh, we've learned in this uh, in, in London. Yeah. Oh, yes. Lots of, lots of, uh, and, you know, Jefferson was in France for a whole lot of that time, too. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of overseas time spent. And, you know, back then, no overseas flights. So it did take a while to get there. <laughs> Just right. a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it looks like a really good special, and uh, we're looking forward to watching the second half because it kind of left off getting close to the revolution and the role that he played in that. Uh, so it, it left off with a good cliffhanger for us. Yes, Franklin's an interesting guy. We've got a few more conversations with uh, with our professor about him coming up in the uh, in the future weeks. Uh, what do you got coming up this weekend? This week, no Franklin for you this week. Although we do talk about uh, a little about the, the founding in uh, in talking with Paul Marino, who's our uh, chair in constitutional history here at the college and also professor of history. We talk about the history of the filibuster in the U.S. Senate going back to, uh, yes, when it was inserted, and uh, well, I shouldn't say inserted because it's just a rule in the Senate, but back when it was created as a rule in the Senate, how it's uh, changed, how it's been used over the years, the current discussion by some of whether to eliminate it altogether. Uh, we talk with Paul Marino about that on this week's show. Stephen Moore, who was an advisor for President Trump, a longtime economist with Heritage, also now with FreedomWorks, a new book from him called GovZilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedom. Talk with Stephen more about that book. Lorraine Murphy, a frequent guest, a favorite here on the program. She's back for her occasional series on literary realism with a look at the great works of Tolstoy. And if you know anything about Tolstoy, you know War and Peace, which... As I mentioned in the interview, many people probably have not read, but know it's just a punchline, as in, you know, that book's you know, nearly as long as War and Peace, which is <laughs> long. It's 1,100 pages, for goodness sake. But yeah. uh, she'll tell us why it's actually worth reading. And uh, finally, Phil Wegman, who is a Hillsdale alum, he's a 2015 graduate of Hillsdale College. He is the White House reporter for Real Clear News, Real Clear Politics. He is in the briefing room. Every time there's a White House briefing, you hear him asking questions. Occasionally, he is yelled at by Jen Psaki and yelled at by President Biden. We talk with him about what it's like to ask questions of the powerful and uh, what it's like to be yelled at by the powerful and lessons learned at the college that helped him in that job. So he takes us inside the White House briefing room this week on the Radio Free Hillsdale Hour. You know, there's a Charlie Brown uh, movie uh, where he reads War and Peace. So if Charlie Brown can do it, <laughs> you can too. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a great political book um, about the campaign of 1988, and it's called What It Takes. And it is an insanely long book. <laughs> and it's one of the books that I have purchased and it's sitting in my bookcase, and every day I walk by and think, you know, one day I'm going to read what it takes. And that day has not come yet. How many pages is it? You know, I knew you were going to ask that, and I, I think it's more than 1,000 pages in paperback. Oh, wow. uh, so it, it's a long one. You know, I think a, a long holiday weekend uh, might just be the recipe you need to finish this book. 
I, I don't think so, but it's a nice thought. <laughs> All right, Scott Bertram, host of the Radio Free Hillsdale Hour. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Have a great weekend. Happy Easter. Well, it is a holiday weekend, today being a holiday as well. So a lot of things are closed, uh, going to be closed today that normally wouldn't be. Yep, keep that in mind if you have a stop to make uh, somewhere. It is Good Friday. Passover begins this evening and goes through Saturday. And then we have Easter Sunday. It is the goodest of Fridays, indeed. <laughs> and then Monday's a big day. Yep, we will be tuning in to NBC at 8 o'clock. We've talked about it a little bit uh, today and much over the last few weeks. Uh, local musician Ada Leanne the youngest contestant on American Song Contest representing the state of Michigan, and she will be performing Monday evening. The show begins at 8 p.m. And yeah, She's a, a Brattle Creek native, and some of you may have seen her performing at area events from time to time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we're hoping we can, uh, after the event, check back in with her. We're going to try to get that set up. But uh, information on how you can help support her and vote for her, we're going to get something up on the website later today. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, your weather today, cloudy with occasional rain showers. Winds from the southwest up to 25 miles per hour. Our high today is going to be in the mid-40s. Tonight, it'll be cloudy. Winds from the northwest up to 20 miles per hour and a low near 30. For tomorrow, partly cloudy and windy, a high in the mid-40s. And right now, it is mostly cloudy, 44 degrees. Feels like 36 with rain trying to move in. And if you're curious about the weather for Easter Sunday, it looks like it will be a sunny day, a little bit breezy, but temps around 50. It's not in until the evening and into Monday, we could uh, be dealing with, guess what? Snow. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, Lacey and Brandon, we'll be back with you bright and early Monday morning. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.